hello and welcome to another episode of You Wanna Watch, a weekly podcast where I'll tell you whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby and let's get into it. This episode, in contrast to last week, is going to be uh, talking about a few movies that actually people liked. If you didn't tune in to last week's episode, I reviewed The Goldfinch, which was uh, panned by critics and audiences alike. Nobody liked it, but I did, so I spent 16 minutes talking about it. You should check it out if you haven't already. But this week's episode is a Thanksgiving releases-themed sort of episode where I'm going to be talking about two releases in theaters that came out around Thanksgiving time, which is Knives Out and 21 Bridges, and then The Report, which came out on Amazon Prime right over Thanksgiving weekend. Also, apologies if you hear me breathing a bit more on this episode. I just got over having a cold, but we gotta get that good podcast content out, so bear with me. Let's start this episode off by talking about the movie that people maybe have heard about the least, which is The Report that you can find streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, The Report is a drama film um, starring Adam Driver and Annette Bening, Michael C. Hall and Maura Turney and John Hamm have a few parts, um, but the plot follows uh, staffer Daniel Jones um, and the Senate Intelligence Committee as they investigated the CIA's use of torture following 9-11. So it's definitely not super fun, easygoing type of film. It's definitely like more hard-hitting, lots of drama. There's a lot of torture scenes, so it's not probably for everyone, but it is a pretty interesting film in the way that I was interested in the storytelling the entire time, if that makes sense. I think sometimes with movies based in politics, especially movies based in sort of like conspiracy theories or cover-ups, it can be easy to kind of want to just hop on Wikipedia while you're watching and just figure out what the answer was. Like, how does this end? Because it's all truth. You don't really have to wait for the director to give you the answer. But here I kind of was sitting with the tension, wanting to know how Adam Driver was going to figure this out as this character and whether or not the U.S. government was going to continue to cover everything up the way they just seem to keep getting away with doing. To speak specifically to some letterboxed comments I was reading about this movie, though, as one does, a lot of people did sort of have a problem with the Wikipedia feel where it kind of was just like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, which I think is sort of a valid complaint to for when a movie feels like that and you're not enjoying it. But I feel like for me with this, like I really just did want to know, like, what were the sequence of events? How did everything go down? And because Adam Driver was just so good in this role that he was playing I didn't have a single problem with it feeling a little too formulaic but that is a valid concern that some people have brought up Adam Driver was definitely the biggest highlight of this movie he does this every time a new Star Wars movie is about to come out he'll release some other sort of kind of obscure movie that not a lot of people are going to see but it's some of his best acting And honestly, I'm fine if he keeps doing that. I'm kind of sad that we're getting the last installment of this Star Wars saga because how else am I going to be reminded that Adam Driver exists every two years and then rewatch everything he's ever been in? I've done this 
three times now with him where I just forget that he exists. Star Wars is about to come out and he's reintroduced to me. And now I have to live like this with my Adam Driver obsession until it goes away. One thing that's kind of comical, and I don't know if they were going for this when it was happening, but the tone and parts of this movie definitely remind you of Zero Dark Thirty. You've seen that. If you've seen both, I'm sure you've made the connection too, where the character then also watches Zero Dark Thirty in the film. And so it's a little kind of, I think, too on the nose. I wish maybe they had just made these sort of Zero Dark Thirty undertones and connections to get you thinking in that mindset without actually then having your character in the movie watch Zero Dark Thirty because that just felt a little too like we really want you to think about Zero Dark Thirty. It's like I was already doing the work. You didn't have to sort of like reinforce it. I think another thing that was done pretty well, especially for a movie that's mostly just people talking in rooms is that the tension was kept throughout the entire movie. Like, even though a lot of the scenes kind of seemed... Like, we've seen this before. We've seen Adam Driver's character talking to Annette Bening, playing Diane Feinstein in her office, and her giving him some information, him responding in a way that she didn't like. We've seen that more than once, but I think it didn't feel like you had and keeping with that tension was definitely one of the strengths of the movie. Other than that, I don't have too much to say about the report. I gave it three and a half stars and I liked it on Letterboxd. So it was definitely a movie I enjoyed and I think that it's worth giving a watch if you don't get too frustrated by watching movies about American politics where you're just actually frustrated with American government and not even just the movie in general like if you can't get past being annoyed by the United States government this probably isn't a movie for you but if you like Adam Driver if you like Annette Bening and if you're down to get into the more frustrating aspects of the United States government then this might be a movie for you to watch one weekend on Amazon Prime. Now let's move on to our two theater releases for this episode, the first being 21 Bridges, starring Chadwick Boseman, Stefan James, J.K. Simmons, Taylor Kitsch, Sienna Miller. It had a really good cast. I first heard about this movie back late last year, I believe, because the movie was initially supposed to have come out in July of this year, and then it got pushed to September, and then it got pushed one more time to this note late November release and I really do wish that this movie had come out in July when I was wanting to go to the movie for just a really good time just some fun mindless cops and car chases and running around New York City I was really in the mood for that especially after I saw Hobbs and Shaw and I was really disappointed I think this movie definitely would have filled that hole for people who don't really care for The Rock or are kind of tired seeing The Rock do the same exact role like I personally am, but came out in November and this is what we got. It didn't really stand a chance going up against Frozen 2, but at least I think it was a different sort of a pace between that, which is definitely aimed more towards families and kids or A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers film also aimed towards families that at least this was like if you're trying to go to the movies because you wanted a date night or you were just trying to go see something that wasn't totally aimed towards like kids 
then I think at least this was a movie for you to go see, but I didn't get exactly the timing for its release that I think it deserved. So let's start just with what this movie is about in case you haven't seen any of the trailers. Um, it starts with these two robbers who are involved in a gunfight with police officers where some of these police officers die. So now in comes Chadwick Boseman, who is an NYPD detective who is going to be on the case to track these two robbers down who are played by Stefan James and Taylor Kitsch. And Chadwick Boseman's character shuts down all forms of movement in New York City from the subways to the ferries to, of course, the 21 bridges that lead out of the main part of the city to try and track these two guys down. And that's where we spend the entire movie is just through this controlled set of hours where that's all that we're doing is trying to track these two guys down. And I think the premise of that is really exciting and it sounds really exciting because I like movies that are c controlled in just a very finite amount of time because it just inherently creates tension. There's not, in theory at least, there shouldn't be a lot of time for you to sort of add in these unnecessary moments, these unnecessary scenes to sort of waste time. But unfortunately, this movie still managed to do that in some ways. I think right away, one of the problems that it sort of faced that it had to try and overcome the entire movie was that you already knew who the two robbers were, who these two cop killers were that the detective was attempting to hunt down. And so right away, you're kind of stripped of a sense of mystery and a little more tension that could have been built if maybe you hadn't known exactly who these two people we were looking for the entire movie were. But I do also think in a way that it kind of helped because both Stefan James and Taylor Kitsch were working with this like very bare bones script that they were given that not that you cared about them per se, but at least they seemed sort of like real people and not just two nameless, faceless cop killers the way Chadwick Boseman's character was sort of seeing them as. But because you immediately lost that sense of mystery, the movie tries to then create a bunch of little things for you to keep you interested. And I think a lot of them just didn't work. There's a big sort of conspiracy theory within this movie about the police force and who Chadwick Boseman is working for. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to let you know sort of how it all gets wrapped up. But I don't think it was enough. It kind of felt like they were pulling at strings at sometimes just to give you something else to work with when inherently like the very base story of watching Chadwick Boseman of watching Black Panther sort of play this different character to try and hunt these guys down in this very limited amount of time that could have been a very interesting fast-paced high-tension story in itself and it didn't really need a bunch of twists and turns that they tried to create and I kind of wish they just had kept it a lot more simple and just let these actors sort of shine through because they did get a good cast but they had them saying a lot of like 
law and order type of one-liners. Like at one point, Chadwick Boseman flips open his phone. He's like, talk to me. And I just think a lot of that, you don't need it in big budget movies like this. Like I think we all sort of have an idea of from watching Law and Order when we were younger of like what cops are like. And I don't think you need to have a lot of those like one lines or sort of like tension in between cops that feels very stale and old to give us the idea that, oh yeah, these are cops and this is how they are. Because I think we all sort of have that notion of what we think, how it's going to work and you don't need to sort of either reinforce it or try and start a new one unless it's going to be something that's so different that we've never seen before. 21 Bridges was produced by Anthony and Joe Russo. If you don't know the Russo brothers, they are the ones behind Captain America Winter Soldier, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But they also did both Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. So they do obviously have these big, huge Marvel movies underneath their belt. They've already worked with Chadwick Boseman. So I think a lot of sort of the hype around this movie came from having those three names sort of behind it. And we can have this big conversation about the Russos and how, yes, they are talented, but also they do a lot of things that make me really irritated. So we're not going to get into that right now, but I think it's worth saying that having those names attached to this movie did give a sense, give me a sort of expectations I guess of what I wanted the action to feel like and at least in that sense I think I did get what I wanted out of it there's this really really cool interesting filmed chase scene through New York City like through the side streets down into the subway between Chadwick Boseman and Stefan James and it just really got me wanting Stefan James to be in a Marvel movie or like honestly throw him in a DC movie just like put him in something that's superhero related let him act let him do some action scenes he's so talented like if you didn't catch him in if Bill Street could talk last year I need you to please please go and fix that. If Bill Street Could Talk, I think is still on Hulu in case you haven't seen it yet. But Stefan James is definitely one of the best up and coming actors we have right now. I will go see literally anything that he's in. He's one of the reasons why I came to see 21 Bridges and I will continue to support everything he does. So even if you just need one reason to go see this movie, Stefan James. Overall, I think this movie does have its moments where you're having some fun. It's not too serious. Like you can just kind of enjoy yourself while you're watching it. But I also think it does drag in places too much to be a totally great movie, even really a good movie. I thought it was an okay movie. I think my take on it is that it's worth watching if you can like catch it on HBO or something or if you really did want to rent it off Fandango for a night. But I don't think it's a movie you should be rushing out of your houses to go see in theaters. I think you can wait on it. And that brings us to our third and final movie of this episode, which is Knives Out, directed by Rian Johnson, starring a whole bunch of people you know and like. And I'm not even going to make you wait for it. I'm going to tell you right now, 
honestly, stop listening to this podcast and go see this movie. Like, Don't even listen to what I have to think about it. Go see this movie. It's one of the best times I've had in the movies so far this year. So Knives Out is a whodunit murder mystery film. And that right there already had me sold. But then the cast. This is one of the best ensemble casts we've had in years. I'm going to say it. Like We've got Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Ana de Armas, Lakeith Stanfield. Honestly, it rounds out with Christopher Plummer. And I just don't know how you can get much better than that. The premise for this movie is that this family gathers to honor their patriarch's birthday and the night ends terribly with his death and they're brought back together when this detective comes in town played by Daniel Craig and it's his goal and duty to figure out who killed the patriarch because he does not believe that it's a suicide as was determined by the local police. So now it's a whodunit, everyone's a suspect, no one's ruled out, and it's a wild ride from there. Daniel Craig gets to pull out his Southern accent for this movie, and you can just tell how much fun he has doing that, that he he seems that he wants to do it in everything he's in. Like Even if he's playing Bond, I think it might even go down a bit better with that Southern accent. And then you've also got Chris Evans, who's another Marvel star that I'm talking about in this podcast. But here he's not playing Sweet Steve Rogers. He's not Mr. Captain America. He's Mr. Captain Asshole. And I wouldn't want it any other way. We really need to let Chris Evans play assholes more often because he's so damn good at it. He's he's so good at it. And we need to just keep letting it happen. We had hints of it early on his career he started doing steve he started doing captain america and we just let it go but it's time to bring back asshole chris evans michael shannon's also great in this and so is tony collette they both sort of do these really ridiculous uh, rich people are so wild and they play them so well like these wild white rich people who honestly can find issues with anything that goes on in their lives despite everything that they have. They play these characters so well. The real standout star to me in this, and I think to a lot of people, was Anna de Armas, though. She's going to be in the next Bond movie, and honestly, I think we should put her in everything. I think no movie should be made without seeing Anna de Armas in it because she's incredible. Her facial features, like... Amelia Clark and her together in the same movie would be so much eyebrow movement, so much expression. I don't think the world can handle it. This movie honestly is just so much fun. It does keep you guessing at different points throughout, which is what murder mysteries and whodunits should really do. I think there are times when you think, oh, I know exactly how it's going to happen. And you might be right about some aspects of it, but they're still going to get you in the end. It's still not going to turn out exactly the way you expected it from when it started. And I don't know what Rian Johnson could have done to make a better movie. I liked it and rated it four stars on Letterboxd. I am planning on going to see it at least one more time before it leaves theaters. Please go see this movie.
And that's it for this week's episode of You Want to Watch. If you've seen any of the three movies I talked about today, please let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Let me know. Let's talk. If there's a movie you'd like for me to review, you can let me know on Instagram at You Want to Watch or on Twitter at YWWPod. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Want to Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWPod and Instagram at You Want to Watch.